Hello, my lovely ones, and welcome to Mumming with Magli, the podcast for any mum who has absolutely no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm Magli, your host, and I can confirm I have no idea what I'm doing. Join me every week as I try and tackle this parenting business, the ups and downs, and the many trials and tribulations. Other moms will also join us and share their story. Let's open up the conversation around the hardships of motherhood and all the pressure that comes with it. Hopefully, it'll make us all feel less alone in feeling lost and completely winging it. I know I am. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hey guys, so before we get started with Chrissy's story, I just wanted to say that this is part one of our chat, all about her birth experience, and it does end a little bit abruptly, so apologies for that. But part two will be out tomorrow, and there we discuss more about her motherhood journey after birth, mum anxiety, weaning, and lots, lots more. Also, we do mention a few medical terms in this episode, which I cover at the end of this section, just in case you're not sure what some of them mean or you're interested in knowing a little bit more about them. Anyway, on with the episode. Hello. Morning. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks. You okay? Sorry, I'm just eating my breakfast when you can see. Oh my God, don't worry. I've got my, um, my coffee. I've heated it up three times. The struggles of coffee. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's so nice to see you. <laughs> Are you by any chance drinking an oat milk latte? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Literally, just, I can't, I can't function without this. <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, what do you call it? Uh, heavenly water. Yeah, literally. It's the elixir. <laughs> yeah, the elixir, that's it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um... Okay, right. Introduce yourself. Set the scene, as in, like you know. Um... Currently drinking my fourth coffee of the morning. <laughs> Literally, and it's not even nine o'clock. I feel you. Um, okay, so um, I'm Chrissy, and I have a 13-month-old little girl named Sage, and she's my first and my only child at the moment. And um, yeah, I. It's been a lot. <laughs> it was more than I expected, I think. When um, I, you know how like um, I'm going to go straight into it because I'm just yeah. When um, you're so when you're pregnant and everyone says, "Oh, you wait, you wait for those sleepless nights," and you're like, "Is there anything positive about this whole experience that you want me to get looked forward to?" And um, there's there's not much. They don't like. <sighs> Not, much, not no, much. No, 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 but I, I agree. I agree. No one says that. I'm like, hey, what? What have I done? <laughs> there, there really is not much to enjoy. When George, when people ask us, like, oh, what, what's it like? And you know, having a little one, blah blah, being parents. And George is like, oh, it's so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not here. Like, you go to work. <laughs> it's not fun (laughs) um yeah and I just like I didn't expect I think the biggest thing for me is the sleep Mm. and how obsessive I would get over sleep not for me but for my child oh interesting when when that went when that goes wrong and how particularly like I mean, comparison is all we do, I think, as humans, and it's, like, detrimental to our own mental health. That's another issue. And um, I, especially in, like, the first 
you know, year, you'd always hear other mums being like, are they sleeping through yet? And I'm like, are yours? Because, like, Sage is probably, bless her, she just doesn't sleep well. She never has. She never has done more than 40-minute naps. As much as I try, and I literally tried everything, and I know people will say, like, go sleep train, and I've done it. I've done it, everything that you can think of. But she just isn't the baby that wants to sleep for two hours. She just doesn't. I swear, even strangers in the street, we have a lot of people, we've got a dog, so we very often walking Mm. around. That is, people we don't know will just say, hi, pet the dog. And then as soon as they see that we've got Isla, a little one, that's the first question they'll ask us. Does she sleep through? I mean, like, now I know how I feel. I'm never going to ask mum that, ever. Because what what do you mean when, when, yes, I mean, Sage technically sleeps through, but she'll wake up for a feed. She'll go back down quite easily, like, um, but I'm still breastfeeding, and um, and we're kind of you exclusively apart from aside from weaning, you're exclusively breastfeeding. No, so we're combo feed now. So I mean, so my journey is basically I went back to work three months in after having Sage. I was lucky enough that I didn't have to have cesarean. I say lucky. Some people obviously choose to have or enjoy that experience but for me I really didn't want one because I'm a fitness instructor and that for me would have meant that I could go back to work quick enough and we couldn't afford not to work um so I was in I mean I guess it's like a pressurized situation when you're you're going into your birth and being like I really can't have a c-section like it's detrimental to my financial situation you know because how, it's how fucking crazy is that mental I can't yeah. I can't afford to have a cesarean no and they pushed you like they were pushing me so actually we'll start from the beginning so yeah so my labor was 67 hours long so it was a really long hard labor and you know I'm quite 67 hours what is that like three four days yeah nearly yeah it was a bit of um there was a bit of like negligence basically and also we lived in Eastbourne at the time so getting to and we were going to Brighton Hospital so the travel of that was like I mean it was like near 50 minute drive yeah I drove when it's your first pregnancy even though you do all the prep and like I literally like was so excited to give birth and um I love anything that gets to do with body and breathing and being Mm -hmm. active and I wanted to be in the pool and like really like just feel everything I was really like you just in your head you're like this is mine I got this this. yeah And when you're pregnant, you have all these hormones and they it, they get you really excited for it, or I feel. That's how they made me feel. Mm-hmm. So when I went into labour, I actually didn't know, as in, I, I wasn't sure, because it was so, it was the day after my due date. And um, I just, I hadn't had any like um, Braxton Hicks or anything. If you don't know, if you're listening, what Braxton Hicks is like tightening off the abdomen, it's like preparation for birth. And um, so, yeah, I didn't know. And then we were like timing them and I woke up in the morning and I was like, okay, there's something, there's something happening. My waters hadn't broken, nothing. And yeah, we just started timing them. We're getting quite regular. It wasn't like, they were like, like intense. Like it was quite strong, but it wasn't, um, now I know what an actual contraction feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I was like definitely an early, like early labor. Did they, um, if I remember correctly, they offer a stretch and sweep on the due date? And correct me if I'm wrong, you said that, oh, sorry, that's the dog, if you can hear the big, <laughs> um, you said that you started feeling contractions the day after your due date. Did you have a stretch and sweep on your due date? No, I wasn't even offered one. No, so I naturally, like, started, like, labour, which is 
Good. For the first time, it's worked, especially that close to my due date. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically, when when we started like timing them, it says I think the the thing is like three and ten minutes, or you know, three contractions. If you're getting them quite regularly in that time, ring um, triage and kind of let them know. So we rang them, and and it'd been like I started contracting at like eleven p.m. on the I think it was the Wednesday, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, something like that, and then like. It went, this was like now the morning so it's been a long time and they said because your waters haven't broken me you aren't sure if you're in labour so if you want to come in you can um, and they weren't they didn't know how quickly it would progress because we live so far away like 50 minutes is a long time they were like drive in but of course when you get in the car and you're driving you're in a new situation everything just slows down um, so I went into obviously this was still in COVID and you had to be four centimetres before you could even get like anywhere and like be seen or was Doug able to go in with you yeah yeah okay. he was he had to have a COVID test done I didn't until yeah. I was a kid and then he um so then they checked and they did like a, a not a sweep but they checked and I was one centimeter so I was in labor but I was only one centimeter I mean I cried my eyes out so I was like what we drove all this way we got to drive away home and you had to drive home yeah they had they made us go home. why couldn't you stay because I wasn't four and it, but that's it's that's a COVID thing. I think so. I'm not really sure. I actually don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know the actual rules. So then I. So I went in and then they sent me home. And when I got home, my waters then went. But it was like really slow. Like it wasn't like you know in my films you see this big gush of water and they're like then they're straight into yeah, yeah. labour. Baby's out. Fuck off. Um, did, did they show you how to check? Was Doug checking how many centimeters you were? Like, how do you know? You don't. You literally just have to keep driving an hour just for them to check and be like, nah, sorry. So, yeah. So, when my waters broke, <laughs> because I didn't know, because it wasn't a gush of water, it was like a trickle. And it felt like I was weird. Okay. Like, it, I wasn't, obviously. But mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. So, when we rang triage and said, we think the waters are broken, they were like, you have to come in to get checked. We have to we have to then start the clock because obviously they have then forty eight hours to get the baby out. I so didn't know that. That was a forty eight hour. Oh my god! Back to Brighton, and this time obviously labour was intensifying, and the the trip was way harder. Mm. I was in the back, like on a ball, and I think I was like three centimeters. You were in the back of the car on a pregnancy ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that is so funny. Um, and I can go in because it's three centimetres. Honestly. I was like, can you check again? Maybe it's, it's changed. Yeah, yeah. Did you go home? Did you wait in the car? No, we drove home. Oh, my goodness. That is like, although I understand why there's strict policies. Like, I get that. But when when you're the person that the policy is being enforced on for one centimetre, well, I feel you. And it's so, like based on like um, their degree of accuracy, right? Because they never yeah. get it completely accurate. Yeah. Anyway, so we drove back, <laughs> and then um, yeah, and then I was at home. So this was the Thursday, and then I was at home till um, then Friday morning, early morning. We went in, and I was I was five centimeters at that point. Um, so what like mine to be fair happened quite quickly, all things considered, but. At the risk of sounding really stupid, <laughs> what do you do in that time? Like when, like that Thursday, like what did you do? Just... I literally can't, like I was literally on like uh, my birth ball with you know the uh, the what do you call it the shock thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I was using that. I got in the bath. 
and I was just like moving and squatting but honestly could you do anything like did you eat you know did you like did you need normal not normal but do you know what I mean I didn't I was in a zone because yeah. I was like I get in a zone you know hit the birthing zone I'll mm-hmm. get to mm-hmm. the as quick as possible and it just like just so happens the reason why I couldn't was because when I got to hospital Friday I was in, I then got straight in the birth pool. Luckily, there was, they've only got one birth pool. At most hospitals in the UK, actually, they only have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, it was free when I got in. So mm. I got straight in there. And I was in there for like, oh, what felt like, I was basically in there all day Friday. I yeah. was like a shriveled shrimp when I got out. Like, my whole skin was like, you know, and it goes wrinkly. And at that point, I had a really young <laughs> midwife. And um, she thought that, that she could see Sage's head, but it was like, it definitely wasn't. It was a bubble because my waters got blocked because they had to then get the rest of the waters out. Um, and the reason why everything slowed down so much was because my bladder was incredibly full of water and Sage couldn't turn onto my cervix. So I'm, had I'm, you not, I'm... Had you not weed at all in like three yeah, days? And you just don't realise you're in the zone, you Because, like, I didn't know this. And, like, honestly, none of the midwives even checked. And they're supposed to. It's, like, a really big common thing. And so when I got out of the pool and she burst my waters, the pain was, like, the contraction changed. The mm. pain was excruciating. Yeah. Like, so intense. And at that point, I was so exhausted. I was, like, there is something seriously wrong now. Like, yeah. this doesn't feel right. Yeah. I feel like I've got a UTI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. And no one was listening to me. And then I got a new midwife come in and she was like, we just need to turn the baby. We need to turn the baby um, and get the hair directly on your cervix. So we were like manually trying to like put me upside down, like shaking my leg, you know, doing all of these things. And I was honestly, the contraction felt like it went on. It was just one into the other, into the other, into the other. It was was like the contraction, that surge, but then the pain came. So something was pushing down, but then there was like, burning pain and then a, a doctor came in and I was in contractions and I'd come out of the birth pool and I was like in a room at this point she was so rude like the rudest person I've ever ever come into contact with she literally went she didn't speak to Doug considering our our whole like plan was that everyone speaks to Doug yeah don't bother me she went so so what's wrong with your labor I'm sorry I was like I was trying to breathe through this contraction. And they were just, they were just coming. I was like, I couldn't actually talk. And Doug was like, I can talk, like, just chat to me. Like, she's just in, she's like, what do you think's wrong with your label? Like, really aggressive. And I was like, I don't know. She was, and I was like, surely, surely you should be telling me this. Um, and then she was like, right, let's get a C-section done. I'm going to book you in. I was like, no, 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 no. That's when I, like, snapped out. I was like, no. <laughs> you haven't done anything we haven't tried anything else like i've had no pain relief at this point like nothing and not had a look closer like no one's come investigate what's going on mm-hmm. they just jump into a c-section anyway doug was really strong he was like no that's not okay she, he was like you can leave now good um and then the midwife kind of like it's really funny like doctors have such like a like if they're so senior to a midwife that midwives just tend to go quiet in that yeah. moment and actually in that moment you want a midwife to be like hold on a minute mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know they should be like the ones that stand up for your rights and like your voice I agree. especially in covid when partners weren't allowed in or yeah. couldn't be there or whatever. Mm-hmm. so after that point we had a discussion about the next step and we decided I was exhausted because it had been so long. I literally was like, Doug like had a panic attack, was just in a bit of a delirious state. I think it's surprisingly shocking. And I mean, obviously it's so much more 
for the mum, 100%. But I think it can be a little bit traumatic for the partner as well yeah. to watch their partner be in, in such a state. Yeah, 100%. And I think mm. also, like, you know, as women, like, we've got all these hormones that are helping us get through it. And then we, we decided we'd go on to a mild epidural, which mm-hmm. I think is really important for people to know that there is a mild epidural because it's a new... It's actually quite a new... Um, technology yeah I didn't know that you don't have to have a full epidural and I think Mm -hmm. you get confused like basically what it is is now they can you can click it in so you have control over how much pain relief you have with an epidural you don't have to completely be numb yeah where do you where do you so I knew that there was that recently there had been like a sort of new epidural system but I didn't know that that where do you clip it in so they you get they put it in your spine it's exactly yeah. the same but you have this little clicker and you just give yourself a little dose little boost <laughs> so, the, um, so you're in control basically mm-hmm. so I knew I didn't want to be numb I wanted to be able to move and like but they needed to get me laying down so they could have a look and see what was going on and I, I the only way I could get through that pain that I felt Contractions aren't painful. They're really strong and intense. I hate using that word. And I think if you've done hypnobirthing, you probably know that they've come surges. I agree. However, they are painful. (laughs) So it's funny because I agree with you in that wording that I think that if we use the word painful too much, that, you know, it is going to create a sense of fear. However, I think using the word intense just does not do it justice. Yeah. It's like the biggest crunch you've ever done in your life. I felt mine in my thighs. Did you get that? Yeah. Oh, my God. The dog was, like, pushing my thighs. I was like, why? I had expected, if anything, more, like, upper abdominal, because I thought it would... I had assumed that it would, like, push down. Yeah. But for some reason, my thighs, my butt, like, I I felt like I couldn't even stand. Yeah. I mean... Crazy. down and I think that helped like push my and mm. I felt like I, what the surgeries were doing were like opening my hips yeah 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 and 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 yeah it was like the in um the side of my hips were in so throbbing and yeah. the only way I could get through it is if Doug pushed in mm-hmm. but yeah the only thing I would suggest is make sure that you get the midwife to massage the back they're amazing at it oh yeah so I good. had that too yeah so I had a mild epidural which oh yeah you know and I think this is like a thing, right? I, I going into birth, I was like, no, no, I don't want it. I don't want to, that, that in my mind was like not an option. I really like felt like that was, and actually after I had a lot of um, kind of, not, I guess a little bit of PTSD or not regret, but like my pregnancy didn't go the way I wanted it. Even though I knew that you weren't in control and you just have to go and go with it. Um, and I, the epidural was the thing for me. It was just like that for me felt like I was failing my body to have that. Gas and air did not work. I hated it. It made me feel like I was out of body. I did it first as well. I can resonate with that. In the end, I was sucking on that thing like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) (laughs) So the mild epidural allowed them to see what was going on. And it turns out that, yeah, the bladder was the problem. So my basically a core midwife. So when you, um, if you're a low risk pregnancy, you have what they call like um, low risk midwife. So they're midwives that aren't designated hospital midwives. They come into the hospital and deliver when they leave. The core midwives deal with all of like the emergencies. They see everything. And they're the they're the guy, the, the team that like 
can see issues and they see problems all the time so they know what they're looking for so I was really lucky because I had on it was Saturday at this point and I had till 5 30 and then we're like then it's a c-section because you're you know 48 hours or wherever it is past whatever so a lunch break happened so this poor midwife came in for her lunch break and my midwife that was from like the low risk team left for a lunch and the poor midwife came in and was like right let's get this baby out shall we and I was like okay and she was like let me look at your stomach she was like yeah that's the problem and she just like took control she was like fish bash we need you to get to the toilet if you have, have you weed and I was like I have no idea she's like well that's the issue and she was amazing. She literally came in and was like, your bladder is so swollen, you're never going to get a baby out. And if you do push, you're going to rupture it and you'll be having a catheter for the rest of your life. So let's get you in the toilet. As if no one... Mental. And so basically I couldn't I couldn't go to the loo because at this point I'd had the mild epidural and you just can't. There's just, oh. you know, and you're in, you're in labour and like trying to wee, it's just not. It wasn't happening. It was so swollen. She could see it. Like, there was a bulge on my belly. She was like, we need to get a catheter in. Um, They had such an issue getting it in because Sage's head was right there. Like, she was, like, so ready to come out, but the the kind of bladder was, like, in the way. Um, And then, yeah, I I had a litre of fluid in my bladder, came out. And then within, like, what, I guess it would be not even an hour, I was 10 centimetres dilated. Oh, my goodness. She was like, this, you know, if this is what we see all the time. Um, there isn't a, I can't remember what it's called. You know, it's one of those things that if you don't know, it can really cause complications for your labor. And I don't think that's talked about enough. I agree. At the risk of putting something in your head that isn't there already, I feel like I would be really angry at the midwives before her. Yeah, I was How angry. Did yeah, you deal I was. With that? Yeah. yeah, because I th- I feel like my birth could have been if if I'd have known what they'd said. So basically, when this all happened, she I mean, Sage was born within a few hours. The doctor was like, literally, the doctor came in um, and was like, "We need to get the baby out in like forty minutes, and otherwise, I'm bu- I'm going to book a theatre." And and at that point, all the midwives were like, "No, she can do it." Like she, they were really like good at that point. Good. Because I got so far, and they were like, "No, we really want her to have the natural like okay. birth." That she wanted and like she's done so well um and the doctor actually this this different doctor was really nice and she was like okay and she saw me start pushing and saw the progression of that and that I was quite quite strong that the baby was out in 20 minutes so she she was like actually you've got this but I think because they were worried I was too tired you know it'd been so long it's, it's like a marathon really so after when we went so you know when you're just in like that weird like headspace bubble yeah. so after when we went to I think a week later you go for like we went to get weighed and checked but we went to Eastbourne this time we went to Eastbourne Hospital yeah because they transferred us over so post baby we couldn't do anything Brighton we had to okay. Eastbourne which is easier for us than the hospital yeah on the road okay why can, to... why can you give birth Eastbourne basically we moved too late and I'd have to like do all the rechecks they couldn't just send my files okay yeah whole thing is not like, like we've got internet that you can literally just tick yeah. but yeah anyway yeah. Um, and we spoke to the midwives at Eastbourne and they were like, that is not okay. She's like, all of the midwives, like, we check that all the time. Like, I don't know why no one asked you to go to the toilet. Yeah, like, I, I remember getting asked. I remember not even getting asked, being like, Magley, go to the toilet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they, um, didn't, they literally didn't say it. And I was in the birth pool for so long. You know, when you were just in water, so, like, how would I know, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's sometimes just in the bath I feel the need to wee. Like, it's like, it just 
comes yeah yeah the pressure of labor like you just literally i mean all of like that area kind of becomes one feeling so actually yeah. to distinctify like which is which yeah they just didn't that, that midwife literally sat there and just was on her like tablet writing doing stuff i don't know what she was doing yeah. in our notes obviously we said we wanted like least intervention as possible but yeah. surely that's part of if especially when the birth the labors you know it's taken that long i don't know I, yeah so um yeah, we had, I mean, I was going to ask for my birth. You know, you can do like a birth, you can go and talk to them through it. Oh, uh, yeah, I've had mine. Did you have yours? Yeah, I had mine, but I thought that you should have one anyway, uh, if you have any sort of complication, so that they can talk you through what happened, because they can't do that at the time, because obviously you're, you know, there's bigger shit happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I had, I mean, ours was very unofficial, because hannah's a family member like i just went around for a cup of tea and we spoke through it but she officially wrote down you know that she did it um and spoke through you know why i had comp- the complications that i had and what they did and what that meant and etc cetera, etc cetera. just so that obviously i i know what's happened because when you're in it sometimes you don't really realize i think like yeah they you have to request it you have to actually go online oh, and send a form. Yeah. Which I think they should just ring you and be like, do you want it? I agree. I agree. It should I be agree. like, you know, when you're especially in those new, the days of motherhood, like early days, your your brain is way, you've got way more like, I feel like there's, things. yeah, I feel like there's no aftercare whatsoever. Oh my God, the aftercare is not great. Like none. And, and again, I say this from a really privileged position where I had my midwife on speed dial because she's my sister-in-law. Yeah. And still, if I didn't have that, I don't know what I would have done. So they um, get like the, obviously the visits, the health visits mm. or whatever. But actually I felt more comfortable going into the hospital. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think that should be more encouraged. Like, especially... Even if it doesn't have to be every week or anything. I know they do the first one and then you have, is there a second one? Then they come to your house. But I, th- I feel like I would have rather gone to the hospital with Sage. Yeah. Maybe in the next month just to check, you know, everything's progressing in the right way. Um, aftercare is awful. Aftercare for women is awful because there is nothing that you don't get told. And being a fitness instructor, obviously we both know this, but... I, there's so many women that I speak to who've had C-sections that are like, so yeah, after my eight-week appointment, I'm going to get back to you like the spin class, and I'm like, no, I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I hate bursting your bubble, but you've got to wait twelve weeks. Yeah, or and like least, really for for that sort of thing. Yeah, um, like there's so much that you can do at home, like breathing, <laughs> you right. know, or just like gentle I don't know stretching whatever but it's true people go from like nothing to right let's start training for a 10k run or something you know um do you feel do you feel good inverted commas um about your birth now do you feel like you've been able to sort of in the first like probably six weeks I had a few few nights where I cried about it yeah I cried about the fact that it wasn't what I wanted Mm. I, I felt like weak having a mild epidural, which is don't li- like no one. If you're listening to this, it's not. Um, a hundred percent not. But but I resonate because I went in. I'm not having one. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I was in a lucky position where my body didn't need one. But I remember my mum, and I will always carry this with me. 
because I was overdue. And my mum was like, you should at least do a stretch and sweep. I said, I'm not doing anything. I want nature to do its course, etc., etc." And my mum turned around and said, Magli, sometimes nature is cruel. So true. It's so true. Sometimes Mother Nature is cruel. And unfortunately, do you know what I mean? So as much as, yeah, the body knows, um, I completely agree with you. Although I resonate because I went in, you know, saying I don't want one. Also, I didn't know that the mild epidural wasn't even an option. Um, agreed. I'm going to have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not need it, but you never know because there's a certain point in labour where you can't have it anymore. Um, and I, having the epidural at the point that I was on the cusp because my contractions were so intense on top of each other and I literally couldn't sit still. So trying to get an epidural, the, I mean, the, the people that come in and do the epidurals are insane. They're the they're, they're most amazing team because they're so like this is what we need to do you're going to be fine and it's so clear a really really crisp and direct and matter of fact but also so kind that they're a beautiful team Mm -hmm. I mean the team that came in to do mine were amazing Mm-hmm. Um, but I literally couldn't move like you can't move obviously and I've moved the whole way through my labour so in that moment I literally had to go in like a black box I don't know I just shut you know when you shut your brain down mm-hmm. body down mm-hmm. but it's like oh it was hard and one point I had to um, say I'm going to have a contraction and they stopped and then the next contraction I knew was going to come straight after and they were like we can't stop now so you just have to not, not move <laughs> like, how, oh. how long does it last? I guess I sort of assumed it was just like an injection. So they put something in and then they put another thing in. So there's two, okay. It's a two-point process. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think they numb the area first. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, thinking back to it now, it happened the way it should have happened. Like, I, I do feel that I think you have to kind of... I've, I think what upset me was because I felt like I was so prepared and I didn't know about the bladder. Like... For me personally, I like to know every single fact about everything. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and especially like I've researched, like I've done, read so many books, and, you know, especially about breastfeeding. Like I was like really prepared for all of like the physical things, but I just overlooked, I didn't know about that bit. And that oh. upset me that I didn't, I wasn't aware that that could happen. I think also um, I was upset that obviously you just, you just don't know, but I was upset that we went in so early and I thought, yeah. Because I'd read, I was like, I'd read so much about active labour and like how intense that was. And like, that's when you know you're in labour. Yeah. And so I was like, but then when when it's happening, you're like, I don't know. And you just don't know. No. Don't know. People say this. People have been like, trust me, you'll know. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But now, now I know. Now yes. I know. Yes. That's the thing, you know, for the next time, if you've never done it before, you genuinely don't know. So people who are like, don't worry, when you're in labor, you'll know. Yeah. You're like, uh, but is this it? But is this it? Like, is it, is it trapped or end? <laughs> I don't know. Is it a contraction? <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think I've, um, I did have a few nights where I was like really upset. Yeah. And like, Doug, my partner's been amazing with that, like talking me through it. And it gets more hazy over time. Like it gets really blurry and think that was also a thing it's like oh that experience is over and I really wanted to remember every single detail of it that's hard to like because you can't your body starts to shut things off yeah have you have you written have you written it down I have yeah yeah me too hi 
by me again. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed Chrissy's story as much as I did. So I just wanted to cover some of those birth bits that we mentioned in case you're not sure. Some of them get a little bit technical, but bear with me. So the first one, stretch and sweep. This is when a midwife during a vaginal examination sweeps around and or within the opening of the cervix. This is to encourage the onset of labor without any medical intervention. It's also known as a membrane sweep sometimes as the sweeping in inverted commas of the midwife's finger separates the membranes of the amniotic sac from the cervix. And this is said to release prostaglandin hormone which helps ripen the uterus, encouraging or triggering labor. Some midwives, depending on the hospital policies, will offer it on the due date, sometimes at 41 weeks. It's absolutely something you can ask for or refuse when offered. At one point, Chrissy also mentions the electrical shock machine. We couldn't remember the name of it at the time, but it's called a TENS machine. And it's a small battery operated device with little pads that you place around your sacrum and lower back. These deliver small electrical impulses to the body, which is said to stimulate endorphins and reduce the number of pain signals sent to the brain by the spinal cord. You hold the unit yourself, so you are in complete control of when to send the impulses to the body and how strong they are. So the next one is gas and air. You will be offered this during labor to inhale through a mouthpiece. It is a mixture of nitrous oxide, also known as laughing gas, and oxygen to help relieve pain during contractions. As you inhale it, it gives immediate relief, but this also means that if it doesn't agree with you, you won't be stuck with the feeling for very long. And last but not least, the epidural, probably the most known of pain relief options for birth. Essentially, it is a local anesthetic which is inserted in between the bones of your lower spine. There are now options in terms of dosage, where you can have a lower dose or mobile epidural, as it's sometimes known, where the epidural is mixed with opioids, allowing you more mobility. The other option is to have a full epidural, which is a total block. Remember that there is no right or wrong option. If you're pregnant and thinking about your birth plan, just do as much research as you can so you can enter the birth feeling informed about all of the options, which are not limited to the ones we've discussed here, by the way. Gosh, I absolutely love talking about birth. I will definitely have to share my own birth story on here at some point too. In the meantime, hope you enjoy this episode and have a look out for part two of the wonderful Chrissy tomorrow. See you later.